This is Alex Massa, and you're listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Bob Nolly. Yes, they are. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, here's Bob. folks. Thanks for stopping by today for the Labrador Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Massa. And in honor of Father's Day weekend, I actually have a very special guest here from Greensboro, North Carolina. My dad, Mr. Silvio Massa. Dad, say hi. Hello. (laughs) What a great hello. He is more fun in in person, I promise everyone. Um, So most of you probably wonder why a 25-year-old communications specialist is uh, so enamored by you know, an entrepreneurial lifestyle and business leadership. And this guy is absolutely to blame. So my dad, when I was younger, um, started uh, his own business. It's called Masa Construction, and it's based out of Greensboro, North Carolina. And today he's just going to talk with us a little bit about being a dad and having a business and how that went. Um, You know, he had four kids and a home office. So it was, uh, how was that for you, dad? Well, it was the four kids that caused me to have a business. <laughs> so what year did you start Masa Construction? 1993. All right. So, and the first inkling of Masa Construction was? You. Aww. <laughs> do, so, you do you remember your birth announcement? I do remember my birth announcement. So do you want to explain it to our listeners or do you want me to? Why don't you explain it to the listeners? All right. Do so, you remember it? I do. I remember that it was a blueprint of our of our family home at the time in Greensboro. Um, and it was basically my birth announcement ended up being a very dirty joke and some blueprints. <laughs> so, um, you know, my my dad was what you were you were credited as the foreman, right? Yeah, I believe so. And mom was I don't know what we called mom in that. Yeah, I wish I had it in front of me, but it was basically it was a hilarious, um, dirty joke, and I was their fourth and last child. Um, and my dad, what you had just started, kind of remodeling our playroom. Yeah, I was. I, uh, the, the, we bought a very small house that didn't have room for all six of us, and we were remodeling the um, what was actually an exterior porch and turning it into living space um, in, in my spare time, which took quite a long time. Um, <laughs> and at the time I was clearly working in an, uh, another industry. I was in the restaurant business. Um, and in my spare time, I was helping people repair and remodel their homes. So my dad's pretty much been a boss, if you will, since the day he sprouted his mustache. Um, he managed restaurants all while my siblings were younger. He met my mom. He was her manager in a bar. Um, and, and so, you know, he's always sort of uh, run, what, convention centers, uh, restaurant chains, that kind of thing. So it was a huge jump to go to construction. But you did you did construction growing up, right, when you were teenager, early 20s? All right. So you have basically been, um, you know, running things since the day you sprouted a mustache. Um, you, you managed restaurants all in your younger years. And then my birth announcement was 1989. I don't actually, I don't think I've ever confessed my age on here before, but I was born in, in 1989. That was when the, the dirty joke birth announcement came out. So 
explain to me 1993 kind of how you decided to go into business for yourself. Well, um, I was in, as I said, uh, you know, I was actually running restaurants in a hotel, in a very busy hotel, and wasn't real happy with what I was doing. So, um, and I had a large family, and I wasn't able to be at home to spend time with my family. Uh, so I had to find something else to do. And unfortunately, the food service industry doesn't really qualify you for anything else to do. Um, so the only thing I really knew how to do was kind of work with my hands. Um, so since I had kind of remodeled some stuff at my house and I enjoyed that and I enjoyed kind of helping some other people do some stuff, I thought I would go into the remodeling business. You should have seen the look on your mother's face when I told her I was going to quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really funny because if you watch old home movies um, from when I was, you know, still inside mom's stomach, there's actually a really funny home movie where my mom is complaining in 1989, probably early summer, about how we never saw our father because he was always at the convention center. Um, he was managing the Corey con the Joseph Corey Convention Center in Greensboro, um, and she was complaining how she never saw him. So it's really funny that she kind of uh, gave you a funny look when you said, hey, I want to work from home and start my own business and be around the family more. Well, it was, you know, at that point with four kids and a mortgage and a pile of bills, um, it was hard to imagine that I was going to quit a pretty good paying job with benefits and just kind of wing it. So I had to promise her that I wouldn't quit until I lined up six months worth of, you know, good solid work. Um, and I was able to do that in about two weeks. So I quit my job three weeks later. <laughs> so um, tell me a little bit because, you know, I was, I was like, what, three or four. I don't remember the beginning. Uh, you know, the first I remember was the, f the home office in the second house. So right. explain to me the first couple of years of business, um, how you started to, to build it. You know, where it, was it all kind of our family friends and that kind of thing? Um, yeah, it was. I, um, I, I was fairly fortunate because I had been a Cub Scout, Boy Scout um, uh, leaders, baseball coach, uh, president of the, the pool association that I knew quite a few people. So once I started telling people that I was going to do remodeling, um, I had a quick list of acquaintances, people that we already knew um, that hired me immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, so and, you know, start starting off. Um, you know, I had to. I went out and bought a little truck, and uh, uh, had to. Every time I had to do a job, I had to buy the tools to do the job. <laughs> and uh, um, and a lot of things, I just had to teach myself how to do as we went because I really didn't have any formal. I didn't have any training. I had, I had worked one and a half days in construction in my life. <laughs> so, how did you get people to to trust you with their homes? I mean, we were in. Um, what old or old Irving Park at the time? We were actually living in Kirkwood. Okay, so we were we were in this in this neighborhood Kirkwood, and I know none of probably none of you are from North Carolina or, or Greensboro, but it's basically this old historic neighborhood of beautiful homes. But most of them are what a hundred years old at least. Well, they range from a lot of the homes in the in the neighborhood that we were in were built right at the end of World War II, so it was actually late uh, mid mid forties. So when the soldiers came home from from war, they needed a place to live. So they and they were actually small houses. And the large neighborhood was just adjacent to the neighborhood that we lived in. Right. And but those those huge homes have been kind of your bread and butter for almost the entire longevity of Mossa construction. Right. 
Yeah, there's actually two neighborhoods in town that probably most of my business has come from. One is the old, uh, the old um, hundred year old homes, and the other is a neighborhood that was built in probably the seventies and eighties mm-hmm. that that also has large homes, but they're newer homes. Right. So, how did you you come up with a business plan and structure and all that, having only worked in construction for a day and a half? <laughs> um, well, truthfully, I don't know that I had a huge business plan when I first started. It was kind of, um, I had uh, the ability to teach myself, the ability to learn by reading. You know, YouTube didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> so it wasn't like you could go on YouTube and learn how to, um, you know, how to, how to re-shingle a house or build a set of stairs. So, so I have a bunch of books and I would read how to do things and then I'd go do it the next day. Um, and then if I got stuck, I came back and read the book some more. So really the first couple of years, um, I worked largely by myself, um, with, you know, a part-time helper. Um, and then over time you get, you know, you, you get more knowledgeable, you get faster, you start building up a larger client base and then you start hiring people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, that was kind of the evolution of the business as it, um, it grew over time. So really for the first five years or so it was you know pretty much just me and another guy and then it just kind of took off from there so what year is this of your business i'm sorry what what year is this well it it really started i went i started in 93 um it really started taking off probably in 97 or 98 and then i got real big um in 2000 and 2001 um, where, uh, you know, we were doing very, very large jobs and I had a lot of, crew, you know, I had multiple crews and, uh, um, you know, and, you know, then it's just kind of progressed from there. We stayed busy ever since. Right. So no matter how, you know, busy, uh, Mossa construction was, your office was always, um, with the room between our family room and the kitchen, which right. my dad, let me, let me just, let me interject here that my dad's office didn't have doors on it until my grandmother moved in with them this winter for a couple months to get shoulder surgery. So this, this man is sitting here running a business with four kids and a blaring TV, two dogs, cats, you know, we're always bringing over friends. My mom's always baking cookies. So he was really kind of in the thick of things. You get, you get up at what? Five o'clock in the morning to start getting stuff done. I get up at five o'clock in the morning, come to my desk. Right. You have your coffee and then you stop working at like eight or, or nine and then and then you go to bed. I mean, go to bed. Mossa Construction is your life. So is that kind of how you you ended up choosing Mossa Construction? I mean, was that 1993? You were just like, yeah, Mossa Construction. There we go. Well, it was really uh, interesting. The, the day I made the final decision was when your older brother, Nicholas, called me at work one night and he had scored his first goal in soccer. Um, and I was at work and I didn't see it. Oh, um, and you know that was that was really the turning point of I don't really want to do this anymore. Um, and I've always been a strong advocate that you should do what you love to do. Right, that's something you have to do to eat. Yeah, and you've always kind of instilled that in all of us. I mean, you still feed a lot of us, but um, yes, <laughs> which is why I still have to work. Well, and my dad also, you know, dad, you don't have. Um, you know, nobody's going to let you stop being Mossa Construction. At this point, you have so many repeat customers and so many people that rely on you that 
you know, it kind of has to live forever. It's not like it can be a hobby. No, no, it's, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to keep going, uh, unless somebody wants, unless one of my adorable children wants to come run it for me. Which, which one of your adorable children is qualified to run Mossa Construction? Not a one of them. <laughs> not me. <laughs> nobody, nobody yet. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So how did you kind of go about hiring in the beginning and, and picking who was going to be in your home? I mean, your, your workshop was in our basement. Right. Your office was in our, was upstairs, you know, overlooking where your boat sits, mm-hmm. which is strategic, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, how did you kind of say, okay, well, now I need more help. How did you go into hiring? And, and, you know, I'm sure you, you did some of that or you did a lot of that in the restaurant industry, but how did you kind of start to pick who would be your crew and who would be your foreman and, who would who you would put on which job? Well, a lot of it, um, you know, early on, uh, and again before um, uh, you know Craigslist and the internet, uh, you know, the only option to find people well, there's two options basically is you knew somebody, ran into somebody, uh, friend of a friend, you know, worked for somebody else that you knew, um, or you put an ad in the paper and then you fielded the phone calls that came back from that and you interviewed over the phone. So initially, when I really needed, you know, kind of my first full time guys, um, I put an ad in the paper and I hired a guy um, uh, and he worked out fairly well for a year, year and a half. Um, And then um, a landscaper that was doing some work for me had a guy that worked for him that I kind of stole because he was interested in getting into construction and out of um, uh, out of landscaping. And, you know, uh, over time, you know, I've hired people. that I was either familiar with because they worked for a subcontractor or worked for another company that I was aware of. Um, I've used Craigslist, Craigslist to find people. And you know, people develop um, considerably differently, especially in this field. In, in, in what I do in remodeling, people that work for me really have to know all parts of a house because we don't do the same thing every day. And in new construction, you'll find people that just do brickwork or just do masonry or just do di- uh, uh, drywall or just frame or just do trim or just put in doors. Um, and we have to kind of do everything. We'll crawl under houses or get on roofs or whatever it takes. So it's really hard to develop the skills. And certain people are more adept um, to kind of understanding how it, you know how a house goes together and how things work and what you have to do to accomplish you know, the goal that you're trying to achieve and certain people never get it. Um, you know, I've always, I've always said that there's two kinds of people. Um, there's the, um, uh, artists and the, and the postal workers, mm-hmm. uh, and, the, <laughs> and no offense, but, but some people need that, that repetitious factory work kind of thing. And some people are more creative and they can look at something and understand how, it, how it works. Um, and those are the people that end up being the leaders or the, you know, the superintendents or the foreman on jobs is the ones that have that artistic mind and they can see how things go together. Right. So your, bus- your business model, you actually don't um, advertise much. So you're, you're mostly word of mouth. Um, you have, you know, signs that you put in, in the yards of places that you'll work if they'll, if they'll let you put them there. I remember 
back in the day, years and years ago, you had magnets stuck on the side of all the trucks, the Masa construction logo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, you have always kind of instilled in me and, and I know that you apply it so much to Masa construction that, you know, if you're a good person and you have the best interests of your customer, that that will keep the business flowing. Right. So uh, where did you, you as, as a business mantra, if you will, to, to just say, you know, I don't really need to advertise. All I need to do is do a good job and have people stand behind me because I did a good job. Well, I think the attitude of, of, of doing a good job started when I was a kid. Um, you know, my mother used to tell me that I would work for a dollar an hour if somebody would just pat me on the back and tell me I did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and, you know, and still to this day, I take great pride in, in, in doing the best quality work that can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I don't cut any corners. I don't try to cheat people. Um, uh, you know, I become friends with most of my customers. Um, and in 21 years, I've never spent other than buying some signs that I really don't use. I've never spent a penny advertising. Um, and I really can't. And now I don't even use this, put the signs out anymore for fear that I would get more work and I couldn't handle it. So it's it's pretty funny that you have a daughter that is so obsessed with public relations and advertising. And I mean, all of your kids are we, we're all interested in very different things. But the only thing that you've ever actually let me help you with um you know, I, I built you a, a footstool when I was like eight out of wood and glue. And somehow it's still around and still standing. And, it's um, still, I mean, and, and it still carries weight. So you did a good job. Hey, thanks, Dad. I wonder where I got that from. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the only time you've actually ever let me um, work for you is you put a, an ad in the paper and you guys were really busy. And I think I had just graduated um, college. And I was still living at home with you guys. And you let me um, take field the phone calls and have people fax me their resumes and like go through the beginning hiring process of these guys. Right. And it was it was so much fun. And now that I think about the fact that I'm, you know, in public relations and I can easily go into he- the to human resources, I actually think that that was the only time I probably will ever really enjoy human resources. And it was just because I was working for my dad and I could look at you and go, Oh, that guy's a total putz. Don't, don't hire him. He's a creep. I don't want him in the house. Well, that's the hard part. You got to realize that, you know, I work uh, completely in people's homes Yeah. and I have to know the people that are going in there that I have to be able to trust them. I mean, you know, we have free access to you know everything in people's houses. Yeah. And then everything in our house, you know, it's like you had, you had four kids living under one roof and a workshop in the basement. And the other part of the basement's our playroom. It's workshop and playroom. So, you know, you really have to to trust your employees and be able to communicate with your employees. Like, look, you're in my home um, and, and you're in other people's homes. So I really need, you know, that level of trust from you, which is it's super important. You have to be a, super, a really good judge of character, I suppose. Yeah, and it's it, it's developing over time. You know, when you look at um, the fact that I also work with probably thirty-five or forty other subcontractors that do painting and tile work and roofing and all of these other things, uh, developing that core of people um, takes a long time. So it, when you finally get to the point where you find people that do um, the quality of work that you want, and and you can count on them to uh, do it quickly, efficiently, and right. 
mm-hmm. at a reasonable price. Um, and then I want my customers to feel comfortable with the people that are in their house so that they get to know them and they become part of the long-term maintenance of their homes. And that's really kind of what my business plan is, is that I want to take care of you. Once I work for you, I want to take, I want to be the person that does it, takes care of everything in your home, not just add an addition or remodel your kitchen, but tighten your doorknobs and change your light bulbs and whatever it takes. So um, I have a very large and loyal clientele that call me for everything. Oh, absolutely. And they bring you key lime pies and stuff. And they bring me pies and make me cookies and all those good things. I know probably more of the, um, you know, you always had your company party at our house. You know, every time that we have a party, you, you know, your tile guy's there, your carpet guy's there. It's like, you know, your whole Rolodex at one point was business contacts, but they were also your friends. You know, you were golfing with them. You were, they were coming over for dinner and that kind of thing. So that must be really, really nice to know that, yeah, I'm in business for myself. And I also, you know, if I have to, to make a call about tile, I'm also like shooting the shit with my friend about golf at the same right. time. Yeah. So what was, what's kind of the hardest or the biggest challenge that you have being a business owner, um, uh, you know, in general? Uh, administ- the administrative part of my business. Um, I really enjoy being on the job site, being with the homeowners, being with the um, the subcontractors and the employees and touching and feeling all of the things that happen at work. Um, but doing that then means that you're not uh, paying the bills, you're not doing the estimates, you're not doing those kind of things. So truthfully, the only thing that's a challenge for me is this office and, and you know being in here and trying to be produ- productive outside of the 45 or 50 hours a week that I'm out in the field. Yeah. And then when you are in your office, as we heard earlier in the interview, you have like 110 or well, really 170 pounds of dog barking and you've got mom and, you know, watching TV and on her computer and FaceTiming all at the same time. You know, there's so many things going on in your house all the time. So I'm sure just time management and making sure that you're getting stuff done, you know, is probably the most difficult part. But when it came down to when we were all kids and kind of balancing the business and being a dad, I mean, how did that, how did that work out? Well, I went into the business with the thought that it would give me the freedom to do the things I needed to do with my family or wanted to do with my family. Um, and for the most part, you know, that's always been true. I, you know, if I needed to break away to go to a soccer game or if I needed to go to a school function or whatever, I have the flexibility to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, now I don't have four kids around the house. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, such a lie. You still totally have kids around your house. <laughs> yes, I do. We're just adults now, but we are there too often. Probably. But so, you know, when when you do have all six kids in your house, say for Thanksgiving or Christmas. I mean, do you get anything done? Yeah. Um, at five o'clock in the morning, because none of my children are up at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Except for when we're coming home. Yeah. Well, I found a long time ago that I'm not very, produ- I'm less productive at night than I am in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I get up in the morning and I can get a little bit of time getting things done or at least getting organized for my day, um, then I don't have to, uh, in the, the non-productive time, you know, after dinner, um, you know, while 
mom's here and kids are in and out and everything's going on. Um, I can't really get very much done. Um, and I get distracted very easily during that time. So that's, that's why I started waking up so early in the morning. So I didn't, so I could actually be productive when no one else was up. I know your evening routine because you know, it's sit at your desk, play your guitar, Mm -hmm. like check your emails. But do you have a, a routine that you, did you set a schedule for yourself? you know, years and years ago and you follow that same routine every day or is it really just you get up and you do the things that you need to do? Uh, I, I have somewhat of a, of a schedule or routine um, where I do certain things, on, you know, work on certain things on certain days. Um, but a lot of my business is so um, uh, immediate that, you know, you get a phone call because you have a problem with something or you have uh, uh, something that has to you know, get addressed tomorrow before, uh, you know, for example, I have a, a, one of my customers sold a house and they had a list of things that needed to get repaired before the closing. So I had to stop what I was doing and take care of that. So you're really kind of responding a lot to whatever the immediate issue is and then trying to fill in all the other work around it. Yeah. Who? Wait, is this the house that I think that we're talking about selling? No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> not yet. That one might not sell. <laughs> Oh, might not sell. My my dad has, um, you know, we have a lot of really tight knit close family friends, and and their houses have been kind of my dad's pet projects for years. So we have so many friends that, you know, if a drain's clogged, they don't know what to do, and they and they call my dad, and it's it's so funny because, you know, if I don't know how to to do something, um, that happened, you know, the minute something happens in my home, my my apartment flooded. Um, I went like three weeks ago, a month ago. And the first thing I did was, was call my dad. Cause he's Masa construction. And that's, you know, he's my, my go-to guy for basically everything. There was a point in my life where I called my dad probably twice a day for what, three years, four years, at least, at least, at least. I mean, you know, when I started to get a cell phone and then, and then on to when I realized I was an adult and needed to stop harassing my dad every day. But you know, when your parents are are your best friends, basically, you know, you have no problem with just kind of hot, like calling them or texting them and saying, Hey, what are you doing? I was thinking about you, that kind of thing. I do always forget to send their, the father's day card on time, but hopefully this, um, makes up for that because it still is not in the mail. Dad. <laughs> but you know, that you'll, you'll get your father's day card, but I really hope that you enjoyed, um, enjoyed talking to, uh, the podcast. I know you don't, I don't know how many times have you listened to it. Are you like an avid Labrador Leadership podcast listener? Um, I have listened to several of them. I am behind, so I I've got to catch up on them. Dad, to to be completely honest, I'm behind too because I can't <laughs> I can't listen to myself. It's like uh, totally nerve wracking, and I always tell Bob, I'm like, yeah, I need to start researching and like you know going in and trying to fix little things and that kind of thing. But I I'm so uncomfortable listening to myself talk sometimes. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful that we do have the, the listeners that we do. Um, and I'm really happy that you took the time to, to kind of answer my questions on air, Dad. Um, it, was, it was truly an experience. You're, you're a pretty uh, good conversationalist. I mean, I'm sure the listeners have realized you're probably where I get this from. You may be who to blame or you may be to blame for my obsession with this whole communications and business realm. Um, but I, I really thank you for all of the uh, 
the uh, hard work that you've you've done for us and the family, or me and the family rather. Um, and you've kind of always just instilled in me that you know if you work hard and you're honest and you you do the best job that you can, that you'll always succeed. So I thank you so much for talking with us tonight. Well, you're very welcome. It's nice to talk to my daughter for a half an hour without her complaining about something. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's it for tonight, everyone. Thank you for sitting in and listening to me interview my dad, Silvio Massa, owner of Massa Construction, here on the Labrador Leadership Podcast. I know there's a couple other um, Father's Day episodes that you'll get from Mr. Bob Nolly and, uh, well, the younger Bob Nolly and Bob Nolly Sr. I, I believe, um, I think there's three Bobs in a row. I could be wrong. Um, but so join us next time and thanks again for coming up. Have a listen. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com on Facebook at Labrador Leadership and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. Wow, that was just beautiful. Many thanks to Silvio Massa. Alex, thanks for talking to your dad for us today. Anytime. Happy Father's Day to you both. Thank you very much. On our next episode, well, I guess you see what's coming now. I'll introduce you to my dad. Woo. Until then, take care of one another. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.